Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour Voices, a special series on the Mom Hour podcast showcasing diverse voices across the motherhood experience. I'm Megan Francis, and today I'm excited to bring you not one, but two conversations about getting outdoors with kids. As you may know, if you've been listening for a while, I'm a big fan of hiking and camping and backpacking, but I actually didn't get really immersed in the more adventurous side of outdoor recreation until pretty recently in the past six or seven years. As a kid, I spent tons of time outside, but it was really simple. I was just like playing outdoors. And that was definitely the philosophy I took forward into motherhood, that I wanted my kids to have a connection with nature in the outdoors, but that it could look really simple, a stroll around the neighborhood or time at the park. Slowly, as my family and my confidence grew, we added in camping trips and longer hikes. And now all of my kids are experienced campers. And since they're older, I go on a lot of kid-free hiking, camping, and kayaking adventures. What I love about today's episode is that you're going to get to hear from two moms, Jamie Sherrod and Jennifer Carroll, who are both on our contributor team at the Mom Hour. Both Jennifer and Jamie love the outdoors and really want their kids to spend time in nature, but they're taking really different approaches. So whether you're looking for encouragement to take baby steps to get your kids outdoors more regularly, or maybe some inspiration to try bigger adventures, I think you're going to love today's episode. First up, you're going to hear from Jamie Sherrod. Jamie's approach is really accessible and built around regular bite-sized nature routines, mostly centered around her neighborhood and community. Since she cares a lot about sustainability, Jamie sees this as one way she can help her kids also learn to care about the outdoors. Jamie keeps her family's adventures and her expectations really low key with the goal of just getting her kids outside daily and letting them form their own relationships with nature. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. 
Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor Meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor Meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle, whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code MOMHOUR50 at factormeals.com slash MOMHOUR50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from our place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the Forever Chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR. Hi, Jamie. Thanks so much for being on the show. Hi. Thanks for having me. Of course. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation because I think you just have a really um, approachable and accessible way, um, to talk about getting outside with kids. And I'm just really excited for listeners to know it doesn't have to be so scary and intimidating, but before we dive into that, just tell me a little bit about you and your family. Sure. So I am Jamie. I live in a suburb of Raleigh, North Carolina with my wife and our two kids. Um, my oldest is four and a half and I have a newly minted two year old and, um, I'm a full-time stay-at-home mom. And so you are kind of in the thick of it, two and four. Um, There's a lot of activity. Yeah, for sure. Well, tell us what a week, a typical week of outdoor play looks like for you and your family. Sure. So um, our day always begins with a walk. And I will say that is entirely driven by the fact that I have two dogs that expect a walk every morning. Um, So I'm not 100% sure every morning would start with a walk if it weren't for them staring us down. Um, But we do get out and take them for about a mile and a half walk every morning. And so the kids, um, I do bring the double stroller and walk with the kids And I am a firm believer in like any outside time is good outside time. Even if my kids are sitting in the stroller and they are listening to music or whatnot, 
I just think being outside is so important. So that is definitely the way we start out every single day um, is with a walk. And then the other component of getting outside is for the most part in the summer months, um, all of our outside time is in the morning. So we'll get back from the walk, gather some, you know, snacks and supplies, and then we will hit up a park or we'll hit up a trail. Um, sometimes we just go in the backyard, but I usually like to try and go somewhere. And fortunately, we can do that a little more now than we did a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. Um, but I like to just get them kind of away from our house and, you know, into into a different location. Um, and then in the winter months, that usually falls in the afternoon because we're a little bit colder in the morning. So just kind of knowing that routine of in the summer, we're going to get going and get out there in the morning. And then in the winter, we're going to do our outside time in the afternoon. And it doesn't have to be anything, you know, too extravagant. Um, sometimes we just walk a greenway. Sometimes we just go play at the park. Um, and then probably about once or twice a week, we hit up a trail. Okay. So I love what you said that, uh, that you believe any outside time is outside time mm-hmm. is all good. It all counts. They can be in the stroller, um, reading or listening to music or doing something different, but they're still getting those benefits. And I think that there's a lot of pressure on moms to feel like we have to not only expose the kids to the outdoors, but like make sure they're appreciating every moment of it and being completely saturated right. by it. And that puts a lot of pressure. Yes. It does. And it needs to be this perfectly curated experience where (laughs) we're going to the woods and everyone has their backpack and their hiking boots. And, you know, and that just does not need to be the case. There is so much to gain when we're on our walks. We stop. I mean, we do the same exact loop every day. It could arguably be very boring, but we see different animals. There are um, different birds out different times of the year. We see different flowers and different plants and we can sit there and look at them. Um, and so I just kind of am always talking about what's going on. We look at the airplanes, we say hi to the dogs, you know, it's just, it's possible to appreciate the outdoors, even if it's the same loop every day. I love that. And I think that there is always something new to see. And, mm-hmm. and also if it's, um, if it's, you know, a neighborhood walk, you're also really you know, getting acquainted with a sense of place around your neighborhood, your neighbors, the dogs in your neighborhood. And um, so, yeah, like going out on a a new trail is really fun, but there's so much value in just seeing the ordinary sights that are to be seen right outside your back door. That community is um, definitely of high value to us for sure. Yeah. Was raising kids with an appreciation for nature and the outdoors something that you went into motherhood knowing you were going to value or was it something that kind of occurred to you after having kids? Um, I would say, I think deep in my heart, I, I think back to my childhood, right? And I was the kid, I loved being out, outdoors. Like, you know, we talk about the indoor cat. I was just <laughs> fully an outdoor cat. I played an outdoor sport. I loved being outside. I I joke with my mom, she doesn't remember this, but I tell her, I I remind her that when I was a kid, I would, you know, Saturday morning, I'd leave the house at 8 a.m. And she had one rule for me that all I had to do was eat lunch somewhere. She would say, you just have to eat lunch somewhere. (laughs) Because what would happen is I'd just be out all day and I'd come home at five and I hadn't eaten all day, right? Right. Because I was too busy doing all these different things. So 
she's like, I don't even remember that, but I just remember the one rule. So I think I just naturally have loved the outdoors for my entire life, right? Mm. Then when I had kids, I actually became a little disgruntled about it because I wanted them to be outside. And here I was with these kids who didn't really want to go outside. It was actually maybe a little cold for them. It was maybe a little hot. And I was like, how am I going to make this happen? I need my kids to be outdoorsy kids because I live out here. And then I finally just slowly got into getting them outside when we can, not putting too much pressure on myself to get them out there, but saying, you know what? The weather is pretty temperate right now. Let's go out now. I care a lot about sustainability and us thinking about our, you know, our role in keeping this planet livable for future generations. And so these are all things that sort of guide my desire to get out. And then I just keep it so low pressure on myself. I hope I have kids who like the outdoors, but if I wind up with two indoor cats, so be it, you know, but I'll do, you know, do what I can. Well, and, and maybe there's something to the idea that they may not grow up to be adults who love hanging out outside the way you do or the way you did, mm-hmm. but they'll appreciate it. Um, they might like looking at it. They might like occasionally enjoying it in a more sedate yes. backyard kind of way. And maybe they'll be motivated to take care of it in a way they wouldn't be if, if you hadn't valued it so much. So you're making me think of a quote that I love. Um and it's from Dr. Chingley. And he says, if we let our children go into the forest, they will become adults who protect it. Mm. And I just, that's so inspiring to me. Like just getting them out there reminds them that this is something that we are a part of protecting and taking care of. And so that's definitely yeah. an inspiring one for me. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, and I also, it makes me think of when you were talking about kind of being a little grumpy in early mm-hmm. motherhood because the kids weren't just like, yay, mom, thank you for creating this right. experience for us. Um, <laughs> my interview with Jennifer that's coming up a little bit later, she talks about how she had the same thing and, and she really went like full on outdoors, like camping, backpacking. And she expected the kids to be grateful for it or right. like to really be gung ho and then thought, oh no, this is my thing. And I'm bringing them along for the ride. It's not right. quite the same as they're not just going to come out of the womb, like excited. <laughs> to hit yes, thrills that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know that there was um, another book that I read probably came out when and I'm sure it's still I'm sure it's still a bestseller um, by Richard Louvre, I believe was the name. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember. Was it was at Last Child in the Woods. That's what the book was. And there was a, a quote in that book about how the patch of grass at the end of the sidewalk is nature. Like we sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's all That's around exactly us. Right. Yeah. We don't have to go, you know, 30 minutes out into the woods to find it. It's right there. So I think a lot of times moms find the idea of getting their kids out into nature overwhelming. Maybe they live in an urban area or more suburban where like, there's just not a park right there to go to or a hiking trail. So right. let's talk about how accessible it can really be. I know that you really rely on local trails, park systems. Um, tell us how that looks for you. Sure. So I definitely agree that, you know, it can seem like, oh, well, if I live in a city or I live in a, you know, even a suburb that is full of um, mostly big box stores or whatever, it doesn't seem like I have as much nature around me. And legitimately, if there's a tree around you, that's nature, right? And I think even in New York City, 
there are trees lining the sidewalks. I mean, they have planted trees in New York City. So it is possible to say, hey, let's look at this tree. Let's think about um, which tree this is and why does it grow well here and stuff like that. So totally. But you're right. I do rely on local parks and trail systems. And I absolutely recognize that privilege and am grateful for it. Um, but we have uh, in North Carolina here, we have quite a few greenways. Um, some of them are paved. Some of them are lined with mulch. And um, we walk those or scooter them um, quite regularly. So that is definitely a, a big piece of our um, getting outside. Okay, well, hold hold on really quick, because I don't think greenway is a term that mm. we use um, where I am. So what is that? What is a greenway? So a greenway, that was a term new to me when I moved to North Carolina. It is a space that has been... Um, you know, human created that is sometimes it's basically let's give it a five to six foot wide walking trail through woods and through nature. So a lot of the greenways in our area are paved um, and they could be like maybe a mile loop long. They could be four miles long, um, but they connect to different greenways throughout our area. Um, some of them, like I said, are not paved, but for the most part, you can walk on them, walk your dogs and you are basically in a tree lined area. So this was new to me when we came to North Carolina and I'm completely obsessed with them and grateful for them. Um, but it's just the most amazing way that we have used. We uh, in the North Carolina city has used the green spaces that they have to get people outside walking, moving, and then preserving all of the trees and nature around them. I love that. Okay. So yeah, you have some great resources to lean on, but I think to your point, you know, most cities, uh, most even suburbs that do have like the big box stores, there's probably something going on somewhere. You might not know about it, but there's probably mm -hmm. a trail somewhere you don't know about or a really pretty park that maybe you haven't discovered yet. How did you go about finding those places because they're not always going to be something you see on your typical route every single day. You're exactly right. So I definitely think a lot of the places I've stumbled upon have come to me by way of being in one place and hearing about another. So I am an extrovert, so I can, I, I will, you know, strike up a conversation with some mom over here. Um, and she will tell me about this park you know, 10, you know, 10 minutes away yeah. that has a really similar feel. So I feel like there's been some semblance of networking that has gone from like, okay, I checked out this one place. And then I say, hey, do you hit up any other greenways around here? Or what other parks have big slides like this? And then just trying to feel my way around. And definitely my radius of places that we hit up is still continuing to grow. I actually just started following an account on social media that's really local here. And they have uh, given me so much more knowledge about other places that are maybe about, you know, 15 miles away. So it'd be a little bit more of a trip, but we can keep growing our radius of where we're going and what we're exploring. Um, and it started really small. I mean, it yeah. started at a park and I'd go to these two parks every time. And then it just keeps growing. I, I love hearing about that. I think that 
you know, these days we kind of expect sometimes for all information to be uh, easily find findable online or like, mm-hmm. you know, somehow flagged on Google Maps or something. And I have found that with outdoor spaces, that's often not true. They're often run by like a township volunteer group or something. So exactly it might right. be right next to your town that you live in. In fact, it took me probably a decade of living in the city, the little city that I live in to realize how many other municipalities there were around that all run their own parks and trails. And so they don't always have a great, they don't have like a team of marketing people that are pushing the right, information right. out exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's not their, that's not their motive. They're there right. to protect the spaces. They're there to bring people outside, but it's, yeah, they're, it's, it's a different um, way of life kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And they're hit They're They're by nature hidden because they're yeah. not, because they're, you know, they're <laughs> trails. So they're not by like, nature. <laughs> by nature exactly. Yeah. You're not going to necessarily see them when you're driving down the road, but like if you right. see a big green area and there's a little sign that says such and such nature preserve, good chance there's something explorable back there. And yeah, I think word of mouth is, yeah. Word of mouth is a really good way to get that information or like, um, Facebook groups and things like that, like Mm -hmm. places where people are talking, not so much. You're maybe not going to find it just searching. Right. So I'm curious, Jamie, when you're out with your kids on a walk or maybe when you're out on a hike, are you doing anything special? You know, we talked about not like forcing the appreciation, but are you, guiding that? Are you facilitating it? Or are you just kind of showing up because you just really want them to be out in it? Absolutely both. Um, <laughs> sometimes it depends on my mood. It depends on their mood. Sometimes all I am going for is to get them outside and I put zero expectation. Maybe my energy levels are not at the point where I'm interested in talking about every single leaf that we see. And then other times I'm feeling really motivated, right? And we get out on a trail. Um, I'll, I'll tell you about a couple apps that I use that I love. Um, the first one is the Seek app, S-E-E-K by iNaturalist. And it's a plant and animal identifier app. And I use that every single day. Every time we are outside, every single day, we pull out that app and we identify what plant we're looking at, what animal we're looking at. Um, And it is, I highly recommend, completely free. And then the other one that I like to use a lot is the Merlin Bird ID. um, And it can pick up bird sounds and you can find out what birds are singing around you. So we use that one a lot more in the spring. but you can use that one, you know, whenever the birds are out and singing. But I am just finding ways to, I think there are so many things you can talk about outside. I mean, whatever your interest is, right? Like, let's say you're a mom who has, like, let's just take musical theater, right? Like, walk the woods and turn on some, like, <laughs> you know, musicals like and just listen to that and <laughs> yeah. walk. Just being outside and then bringing in whatever your interests are. Is it science? Is it language? Is it um, talking about sustainability and climate change? Is it talking about sports? Is it not talking at all? You know, just figure out what matters to you. I'll sound like Kendra Adachi for a second. And then go outside and and cultivate that and do it while you're outside. I feel like that's just all I think about. I just want to yeah. do these things that we like and we're going to do them outside. 
Because then really outdoors just becomes the backdrop of your life. It doesn't have to be like, a, it's not a project. <laughs> that is exactly right. It becomes yeah. a backdrop. I love that. Yeah. Um, and we will um, link up those two apps in the show notes because I think that there'll be a lot of listeners who would love to go check those out. So thank you. Speaking of, um, you know, apps and technology, I am curious about your stroller. What kind of stroller yeah. do you have? Is it a side-by-side or the... It is a side-by-side double stroller. It is technically a jogging stroller. I do not jog with it. (laughs) And just to be clear, (laughs) (laughs) but it does, it is nice. um, If we take it on, you know, not sidewalk, if it's a little bit bumpier terrain, it's a little bit nicer to have because it's those rubber, you know, those rubber tires, but um, it's a side-by-side and it works works nice for us. Okay. So I know you live in the South and I'm sure, you know, even getting up and going out in the morning, I'm sure sometimes it's just too dang hot or it's raining. Are you, you know, you get up in the morning and your walk is the first thing. Are there days when you're just like, this isn't going to happen or, or is it going to happen? Is this, is it that much of a dedication? There are absolute days where this just isn't going to happen. Um, so we do get quite hot here and quite humid. Um, When we're in July-ish, we can easily run in the high 90s and dip into um, the low 100s with, you know, a good 90% humidity. Um, So it it can get really hot here. And I I'm not so dedicated to this that I'm like, you're going to get outside for three (laughs) minutes. You know, we throw in the towel then and that's okay. We get out, we do the walk as early as we possibly can. And then we might do some other things. But I do find that if, as you grow your um, knowledge of local spaces, shade makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. And if you can find, so I don't have a very shady house, but there are some very shady parks and walking trails that can actually be really manageable, even when it's really hot. And if we get out there early when it's, you know, say 85 degrees and isn't totally heating up and we're in the shade, we can go for a little while. And I put I, my motherhood motto is very low expectations across the board. (laughs) and. So take my standard low expectations and then I just drop it down like 10 more points and we would go out and I'd be like, we're just going to walk to the end of this block and back and it's shaded and we're okay. So that's more when I'm just like, I don't want to be home right now, right. you know, yeah. like we just I need, need to get, to get out. out. Yeah. I need to get out and I fully expect that I'm probably going to be carrying someone at some point and we're just going to, we're going to do it. So definitely I cannot speak to cold weather um, because the coldest we get is, you know, maybe in the twenties, sometimes um, barely below that. Um, But hot weather is definitely something we've uh, managed with shade and trees and, and covered, covered parks. So, well, I would say on the other, you know, on the other side, there's very few days, at least where I live in the mid upper Midwest, where it's, there's very few days where it's so cold. You couldn't go out. There's more days where it's kind of, it'll be uncomfortable if you're out and sitting still for too long. Like it would be, Mm -hmm. kids would be really have to be very bundled up. And then even then, if they're sitting in a stroller, it might get to be a little much, but that's, it's pretty rare that you couldn't get out for some period of time every day. Um, you just have to, yeah, for us, it would be like three o'clock in the afternoon on that cold day. Cause that's when the sun's going to be peak and it's going to be the warmest. So 
Yeah. Um, you mentioned too, that you, you know, you're really not like packing a backpack and putting everyone in hiking boots and mm-hmm. things like that. So this is just casual. They're just wearing their regular clothes and maybe you bring a bottle of water. That is exactly right. And to be honest, I am, I kind of let them learn a little bit about what their bodies need. And so like my son for a while was not, he would always want to wear like Crocs and sandals when we would go on the trails and I just let him. And I would say like, you know what? Do you see how you're getting all that mulch in your shoes? Like maybe you want to wear tennis shoes next time. And he has totally come around to tennis shoes on the hikes. Um, But again, this goes back to me being like, this is not going to be high pressure. You know, we're all just out here kind of learning together. Um, And so we're not, I'm not taking them on a two mile loop. We're taking them on a quarter mile loop. And if we have blisters or you know, some complaints, we're all still going to make it back to the car and be okay. Um, It's not going to be too rough. But yeah, uh, I bring some snacks, a water bottle or two, depending on what time of year it is, um, and keep the backpack very light. Because like I said, someone is almost always going to need to be carried at some point. And I just anticipate (laughs) that. (laughs) And, you know, you don't have to pack like a full on expeditions worth of food. And, you know, because you're, no matter what, if it gets real bad, you can turn around and go back to your car. It's That's exactly like, right. That's yeah, exactly that right. We're not doing yeah. anything too wild out here for sure. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to throw in a plug for those um, those little wa- like battery-powered fans that have water in them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, I do. And I don't have any of those, but that is a, a great couple. idea. I had those when I was younger, but I yeah. have not, in, I am not invested as a mom. So yet. I will say, I mean, it doesn't get nearly as hot here as it does there, but you're not ever used to it here. Like you're not ready yeah. for it when it happens. And I have been su- really surprised by how cool they will keep me and the kids. Um, um just like that idea. Really hot Thank day. you so, for that. Yeah, of course. Well, Jamie, we need to wrap up. This has been so fun. I'm I'm hoping you can just give some words of wisdom to, or maybe just encouragement um, if you don't have any wisdom on you today for a mom who maybe is feeling really motivated to get out more with their kids, but just can't get started or maybe to get back to it. Maybe like mm-hmm. is having a little bit of a, a hiatus <laughs> from nature. How would you encourage that mom? You know what? I just say I'm going to fall back on the any outside time is good time and really reassure you that the minute your kids step out that door, they are benefiting, right? Mm -hmm. And you can slowly increase that and help that grow. I know one of the things that helped me sort of let loose of the pressure to get out or the ordeal to get out, let's call it the ordeal to get out was saying, you know what? We don't need shoes. We don't need to put on any particular clothes. I mean, you have to be somewhat covered. Some kind right? of clothes, but, in but general, no particular you ones. To, yep. Yeah, some kind of clothing. It doesn't need to be anything special. And we're just going to go outside for five minutes. And we're going to put our feet in the grass. And we're going to ground ourselves to the earth. And we're just going to be out here for a minute and just slowly grow off of that. I love it. Well, thank you so much. Um, we will link uh, to you know your social accounts and everything in the show notes as well so people can check you out. Um, and thank you. This has been so fun talking. Thank you, Megan. I hope you're feeling inspired to get your kids out on a low-key adventure. 
If you're looking for a little more inspiration, keep listening because after the break, I'll be back with Jennifer Carroll, also from the Mom Hour contributor team. Jennifer is a mom of twins, and she came into motherhood on a mission to introduce her kids to the outdoorsy lifestyle she'd always loved. Like anything involving young kids, Jennifer hit a few bumps along the way and has had to adjust her expectations here and there. But she and her husband have been able to make hiking, biking, and camping a regular part of their family lives with young kids. And as the twins get older, they're continuing to add new adventures to their list. Jennifer and I talk about must-have gear, how her family of four gets outside adventuring, and she shares a misadventure or two they've had along the way. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day, and it could seriously use a refresh. But you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately, the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather. But please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown Loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Bionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's Chewable Kids Vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for being on the Mom Hour. Hi, Megan. I'm so excited to be here. It feels like a great kickoff to summer. Oh my gosh, doesn't it? Okay, so... Let's just set up um, a little bit about who you are before we dive into talking about outdoors talk. Let me just give me the um, scoop about your life, your kids, where you live, all that. Yeah. So I am mom to Heath and Harper. They are five-year-old twins and I'm married uh, to Chris and we live in Oklahoma. Okay. 
I think on your Instagram, you call yourself outdoors obsessed. I believe that might be the words that you use or in your, um, in your bio, maybe on the mom hours website, but tell us what that looked like pre-kids. Like what were you doing? What activities were you doing? How often before you became a mom? Yeah, so that is absolutely accurate. I will do anything and everything outdoors and I will try anything once. It's, I mean, it's really started since childhood. Um, I grew up camping with my family, road biking, playing sports outside, going to the lake, um, water skiing, uh, going to summer camp, you know, sleepaway summer camp. And then I was a camp counselor all through college. And so you name it, I will try it and do it and just love being outside, whatever that looks like. So I see the scene you've got, like whatever, you'll try anything once. And that's when you don't have anyone to worry about besides yourself. That's one thing, right? And then Uh you had a baby, not only a baby, you had twins. So I'm going to guess that changed. Um, Yes. (laughs) I know you had told me that you do some smaller scale adventuring. So you still do the things that you used to do, but you do it on a smaller scale, which I think is so smart. And so many outdoorsy moms can relate to that. But did you start that right away? Like when you had little two little babies or did you kind of ease back in? Well, so that's a good question. Um, before kids, we really loved the idea that our kids were joining our adventure. So we didn't want to give up all the things that we love to go and do outside. Um, the reality of having twins is the first six months, I mean, we were pretty consumed with, I was pumping, feeding, trying mm-hmm. to get everyone to sleep, all that good stuff. But somewhere between the six month to year mark, I feel like we kind of got our groove back and were able to start doing those smaller scale adventures. Like you said, um, we started with little hikes uh, just in, I was a big baby wear. So, you know, we each had just a really simple cloth carrier, taking them on the trail, stuff like that. As they got a little older, we bought secondhand two bike trailers. And so my husband and I have road bikes and we would pull them along. And that was, you know, our little date. We could bike and chat and put them behind us. And um, we're really fortunate to live in a town that has uh, just miles and miles of paved trail systems. And so they would be super happy in their bike trailer um, with books and snacks. And we could go, you know, for several hours. Um, When they're about two, we started to kick it up a notch. Um, We took them to the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and spent a week out there, did a ton of day hiking, and just got to see and do a lot with them uh, for the first time then. But I will say, we took grandparents. (laughs) Okay, I was going to say, what was your trick? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, having twins is a wonderful experience. But yeah, Chris and I, my husband kind of joke, we call it whack-a-mole parenting. You know, you are always doing something. I mean, I'm sure you can relate just having multiple oh my gosh. kids yourself. So yeah, well, I don't have twins, but I did have multiple small, you know, children at once. And I'm just remembering some of those early campground adventures where it's like one of them is bolting and tripping over people's, um, their tie downs <laughs> of their yes. tents and And another one, you know, there's a poopy diaper and like, it's fun, but it's so much work. I'm curious, um, was that experience, were you tent camping during that trip? We did. So right 
I guess I think my cutoff was I wanted them to be at least partially potty trained just because, you know, dealing with two kids and diapers felt like a lot. But um, really just having an extra set of hands was a huge resource for us. Uh, We went tent camping for the first time with some friends who had older kids and just having you know, another set of parents there to mm-hmm. change a diaper or help someone go potty in the travel potty or whatever Walk it was. like 500 feet away to the, <laughs> to the yes. bathroom or whatever. Yeah. And like you mentioned, my kids were runners. And mm-hmm. so just having an extra set of eyes to make sure no one escaped the campsite was a huge deal for us. And so, I mean, that's really what made it possible. Um, We started going to the lake uh, when they were about two. And so we always try to make sure there was one more adult than kiddos, either on the boat or camping or whatever. That's really smart. Um, I think it's like, let's just pause really quick here and talk about the differences between different kinds of campgrounds, because I know for, if a family is not a camping family, they might not really understand like the difference between, you know, really rustic camping versus a family oriented campground where there's kids everywhere on scooters and bikes. It's like so different. So tell us what your experience has been like with that. So pre-kids, we definitely did a lot of what you call primitive camping. You might have to hike to access your campsite. There's no bathroom, Um, no running water or electricity. Um, With kids, we have not ventured back into primitive camping yet. We have primarily stuck to car camping and, you know, that works really well. There's kids running around. We try to reserve a campsite that's like right next to a playground because they have kind of a natural boundary where they can play and stuff to do while you're cooking dinner, while you're setting up the tin, that sort of thing. Um, and so there's just like so many great, wonderful car camping opportunities. That's primarily what we've stuck to. Yeah. And, and I think that's really smart. Um, I have done a couple of more primitive camping things with my kids, but like when they were older, um, when they were able to manage their own packs and things like that. And then when they were little, one time we went on a trip where it was like my brother's family and my family. And I know I had at least one toddler and we basically were the only people in this. It was a primitive campsite, but it was like, there was a vault toilet and the parking lot was pretty close, but like there was nobody else in there and there was nothing besides the vault toilet, no electricity, nothing like that. That was really fun, except it started to rain. And I just remember thinking like, oh my gosh, this is so miserable because how would we even get everyone back in the car? Like if we have to, if it really starts to storm, what are we going to do with all the, like the car is so far away and you know, there's these little kids and I can't see when I'm trying to help them with their, you know, go to the bathroom or change a diaper. So I, it was a fun adventure, but I, I am team car camping with little kids for sure. Yeah. So tell me, let's back up a little bit because you mentioned when they were, the twins were really small, like that first time you got those, the bike trailers for, or the bike trailer, or you, um, you just tried something. Were there any kind of like misadventures or was there a moment where you're getting your little ones buckled into this trailer and you think, oh my gosh, this is nothing like it was before I had kids. Well, I mean, I will be very transparent. I did have a moment when I took them to a local hiking spot, both kiddos by myself, and it was a loop and we got further out than I realized. And Uh so there was really no option but to go back. And um, so I had taken one carrier with me and I was letting the twins take turns 
but I got to a point where they just were done. And so I had to put one on my, I held one on the front and wore one on the back. Um, And it just so happened that another hiker passed by and he was a firefighter and he was like, man, you are working too hard, you know, Let's walk down together and I'll carry one of the twins. It reminds me of almost anything with motherhood. Like you, you might have an idea about your ability to take something on or that it's going to be fun or like, you know, you you have these expectations for even like the first time you take the baby to Target or something and um, it doesn't go the way you thought it would. And maybe someone helps you or maybe someone doesn't. Maybe you cry. But like in the end. It worked out. Um, You got back to your car and you learned something and maybe it's like a fun memory. Um, I still think that that I think sometimes moms are afraid to try things outside of their comfort zones because we don't know what will happen. And we're afraid of like, what if everything goes wrong? But the fact is, things are going wrong all the time (laughs) and we're learning from it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think once we started camping more, I had this realization that you could be home or you could be somewhere fun. But there's going to be meltdowns. There's going to be mm-hmm. sibling squabbles. There's still going to be all the things. So you might as well go do the adventure. Go do the fun thing because you're going to have to parent either way. And I think maybe I probably just had unrealistic expectations going into motherhood thinking that they would be like, oh, what a wonderful activity we're doing now. And just be <laughs> so you, in mother. awe of my wonderful <laughs> yes. parenting and planning yeah. that everything would go perfectly. And that's just not reality. So, you know, even if you forget something or whatever, you're going to get through it. Right. Yeah. And that's a great thing to learn. And I love what you just said. Like you thought the kids were going to be so appreciative and they're just kids. They're they're just going to be kids no matter what setting you're in. You may as well have it be a setting that's exciting and novel for you. So you get something out of it. It reminds me of like, like when I think about car camping, and I think I wrote about this a few years ago. So even going to a campground with facilities, a bathroom, um, electricity, sometimes Wi-Fi. Like even when you have all of those things, the reality is you're still outside. You're not at home. It takes three times as long to do anything, whether it's washing dishes, making dinner, whatever it is. It's like you take mom life and it's like this, um, the stuff that we do every day anyway, it's kind of like this heightened or like expanded, magnified version of it. But that's where the fun is. Like that's, it's like you get to see how much work it actually is to take a little kid potty when it's on the other side of a campground (laughs) or um, to put them to bed when it's not in the usual spot. But like, there's something in there that's also really fun and novel. And I love it. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it does make you appreciate those systems you have in place at home that make it easy to cook dinner, to do all these things um, efficiently because camping is definitely like the opposite of efficient. Yeah, yeah. Um, You did mention before that you always had an extra person, which I think is really smart, like one extra adult, especially with little twins. Um, Do you have any other pieces of advice about those systems? Like which systems did you decide to try to replicate while camping and which ones did you decide were okay to let go of? And I'm thinking of things like, um, bedtime routines or, um, meal times, like the niceties around that. Like what are some of the things that you keep kind of the same or some structure around and how did you deal with that? 
Well, so twins, um, sleep was always a big focus for us. And so we kind of subscribed to the 80-20 rule that 20% of the time we could bend the rules, miss nap time, stay up later. But 80% of the time we needed to keep our same general schedule. Um, So when the twins were napping, they've since given up their naps, we got this Coleman tent that has, they call it dark room technology. And I'm telling you, it really is truly magic. You zip that thing up in there, even midday, it is super dark. And so we did, when we first started camping, try to still work in a nap time and in an early bedtime. When our kids were two and three, I'll be honest, their bedtime was seven o'clock. So that's a little challenging yeah. in a car camping situation where, you know, you that's can the hear kids just playing. Going. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we did just have to, you know, move forward knowing that, all right, we're probably going to be crabby the next day. Um, and we're definitely not sleeping in because the sun's going to be up. But if we could at least sneak in a nap midday, I felt like that made a huge difference. Yeah, that's really smart. I know that you're, you said your twins are five and I know you've got some adventures coming up for them as they're getting older. How are you kind of expanding your family adventure and what do you hope to do with them in the future? Man, we've got big plans. Well, so now that they're five and they think they're so grown up, um, we're really getting into a new season um, with the carriers and bike trailers. You know, kids are really portable when they're little, but now they're big enough that we can't pull them behind the bike anymore. They want to bike on their own. We, they want to hike on their own and really, except for very short distances, they're too heavy to carry. So we're kind of adjusting and instead of going on, you know, an eight or nine mile hike where they can sleep on your back and do that, that they're walking. And so it's a four or five mile hike. Um, same thing with bike rides. Chris and I used to be able to bike for a whole afternoon. Well, now they get to bike with us and that's a fun new experience, but it's a lot shorter. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And the pace is so much shorter, but we're really, both of us are big uh, snowboarders and snow skiers. And so this winter we are super excited. We are going to take them to snow ski for the first time. That is so fun. And um, when, and I know what you mean about that age where it's like a little awkward because they're bigger which is great, but they're not quite big enough to be totally independent. And so there's, it slows mom and dad down a lot. Um, I don't remember taking my kids skiing around that age and really loving the fact that there were ski schools that they could go to for a little while, just so we could go ski, you know, like we could go do some adult skiing and they were, you know, for two hours or whatever in um, some kind of a supervised program. Because otherwise it's like, everything you do has to be at their level. And that can become a little frustrating when you're used to being able to either do it on your own or take them with you on, on your back or behind you and just do it. Yeah. But I mean, on the other hand, I mean, I feel like mom should kind of ride that wave while kids are portable while they're, you know, we used to take them fishing all the time with these little, um, rubber, weighted fishing poles and they were so content to sit there and fish and you know put a stick in the mud well now they want to put the worm on the hook themselves and so yeah you're exactly right it is a new season of them wanting to do and just kind of everyone figuring out their new roles yeah 
Do you find that because they're twins, I just think this is fascinating. So they've been raised exactly the same way in the outdoors. Like they've been on the same adventures. They've done all the same things together. Are you finding that one of them likes it more than the other or that they go back and forth? Like maybe sometimes one's into it and the other one isn't, and then they switch. I feel like they both had their kind of things that they really like to do. My son, for example, just could bike all day long and mm. will bike and bike and bike, but he's a little more timid, um, doing a lot of stuff around the lake, you know, water skiing, that yeah. sort of thing. Whereas his sister gets more tired easily on the bike, but she can wake surf or do that sort of thing all day long. So it's just so funny. And there's, you know, whatever I have have in my mind that like, oh, I think, you know, this twin is really going to like this, or this twin would prefer to do this. It's always exactly opposite. Oh, I love that. Isn't that funny? It's like such a rule of parenthood. Like what you think, you know, you don't know as much as you think you do. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned that Coleman tent, which we will definitely link up in the show notes because that sounds amazing. Um, and you mentioned like the cloth carriers and things like that. Are there any other, is there any must have gear that you would recommend for an outdoorsy family with young kids? And this can be specific brands or just like general, like have one of these. Well, so I really recommend if you're going to hike, even if it's just at your local park or in town, but you're going to carry your child trekking poles. So these are little poles. They look a lot like ski poles, like snow skiing poles, but they're collapsible and you can adjust them to your height. And we use them for everything. So if I'm carrying a kid, they just give you so much more stability as you're hiking or maneuvering over rocks, that sort of thing. But now that my kids are hiking too, you know, a set comes with two. And so one of them can each have a pole and that just gives them something to focus on. And they feel really big with their trekking poles. So, um, you know, it, it seems like one of those things that like, oh, I don't need that because I'm not going on some big, serious, you know, multi-day trip hike, but it is one of those little things that, man, it really does make a big difference. Wow. I wouldn't have even thought of that. Um, But yeah, something that keeps you stable while you've got, like even good shoes. I mean, thinking about the basics, if you're carrying another human on your body um, and you're trying to go all day, it's just good to take care of those basics, but that's trekking poles. That's really cool. We will add that to the, uh, we'll add that to the list as well. Anything else? So I would also say if you can invest in a hiking carrier, um, that makes a huge difference. I love the soft structured carriers or like a ring sling when they're really little, but as they get older and older and start to weigh more, man, it can really just take a toll on your lower back, your shoulders, that sort of thing. And so the hiking carriers are designed to distribute their weight differently, to save your lower back. And also um, a lot of them have like a mesh back. So that way, if you're hiking and it's warmer, you know, the heat of the baby combined with your body heat, it just makes a big sweaty mess. And so it is a lot cooler too. Um, We were fortunate that we were able to find two on Facebook Marketplace and or borrow one. We've borrowed stuff from friends before um, because I will say some of the hiking gear can get really expensive, but if you can get it secondhand or borrow it, this stuff is designed to last and hold up to a lot of wear and tear. So I wouldn't think twice about getting something online or secondhand. 
There's a um, a website and oh my gosh, I can't think of it off the top of my head, but maybe you'll know what I'm talking about that actually will like rent you some of that expensive stuff for like on a weekly basis. So you could basically rent like a kit of high end gear to do a trip or, you know, like say you say you're going to go do something that, you know, you're only going to do a handful of times um, and your kids are going to grow. <laughs> you know, they're not even going to use that gear forever. You can actually rent it. So I'll have to remember what that is. I feel like it's like tenter or something, but um, are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I'm not. Um, okay. That sounds really cool. I think we probably would have taken advantage of that, but yeah. I'm wondering too, if you like, there were things that you thought would be a bigger deal than they were, or maybe didn't think about, like, I'm thinking about things like, um, bug bites or, um, I don't know, ticks. Like, are there things that you maybe overprepared for or overthought about, but, or on the other side, didn't think about it all and ended up being kind of a hassle? Well, so I went out and bought these super cute rain boots. Um, we go fishing on my husband's uh, grandparents' land, and he, they've got cattle out there, so mm -hmm. it can get kind of muddy around the ponds. And I was like, well, I'm not going to ruin their good school shoes. I'm going to go get them some boots that they can wear around, like just rain boots, and thought I had really beaten the system. Well, the problem with that was their boot would get stuck in the mud. Yes. I'm totally that like I'm picturing yeah. that. And then, and then their foot comes out. Right. Yeah. And then not only, you know, is their sock now standing in the mud, they've fallen over into yep. the mud and are just covered head to toe. So, I mean, I think I probably would have said, Oh, well, just having tennis shoes that you can move around in easily yeah. probably would have maybe they would have fallen anyway, but yeah, that was a definite, definite parenting fail there. Oh my gosh. I just have a memory of my nephew when he was probably seven or eight getting like hopelessly stuck in the mud. Now he was old enough that he had the wherewithal to know not to, not to exit the boots. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Once like he tried to lift his foot and the boot didn't come out, like he stayed put, but all the, I just remember like all the dads running down into this just swampy area, basically having to extract him. I don't know that they ever got the boots out, to be honest. Oh, wow. um, but what was really funny is that there were buzzards that were starting to circle overhead. <laughs> oh, goodness. About the we're just <laughs> waiting them out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So rain boots definitely do get stuck in muck for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Um, well, Jennifer, I know that you were really outdoorsy before, before you had kids. Um, and it sounds like you went in with like great expectations of just jumping back in and I'm sure that served you really well. Um, but what would you tell a mom who maybe was, was outdoorsy before having kids and is intimidated to jump back in, or maybe one who really wasn't all that outdoorsy, but now sees the value in having her kids outside and wants to get started. Where, where would you recommend she start? So I think I would say find what stresses you out about whatever outdoor activity or camping that you're wanting to do and then try to solve that problem. So, for example, if you are like, man, just trying to get all the gear together and packing everything that just exhausts me, I'm overwhelmed, then don't spend the night, you know, go do a day trip, rent a campsite, even if you want that experience, but pack everyone up, put them in pajamas and drive back home right at bedtime. Um, 
If you're, you have runners like I did, you know, see if you can invite an older cousin along or another family, like I said, just to have the extra set of eyes or hands. Or if you are nervous about a campfire and all the kind of inherent danger that comes with that, just don't cook. You wow, know, that's so smart. There's yeah, no right or wrong way to camp, and you don't have to do everything all at once. Um, you know, you don't have to make it a big deal, it can be a little thing that's close to home, and also just like don't be afraid to go to the national park or go to this dream destination because these places are set up for families. Um, Park rangers and visitor centers can be your absolute best resources. Stop there first. They will point you in the right direction to family-friendly trails, to, you know, spots that are easily walking distance for young kids and can give you tons of great resources to make it a fun experience for whatever season of life you're in. I love that. It reminds me of... um... I believe Sarah and I talked about this one time on the show where like we were recommend, we were just saying like, you could go to the campground, rent your site, set up, do all the fun camping stuff and then go home for the night. If you are not ready to sleep on the ground with your kids, go back in the morning and make breakfast. Like you can have so much of the experience without having to commit to like the full experience if you're not ready for that yet. And I think that that, um, that's just like, just remember, you're still in control. You still get to decide. It's not like you've given up all your rights <laughs> to decide when you walk onto a campsite. So true. And I mean, your backyard can be mm-hmm. a great place too. If you're like, man, you know, we just can't get away. We have a limited time. Kids think it's special. Put down a $2 tablecloth and have yeah. a picnic outside and call it camping. You know, a young child's going to be impressed with that, I feel like. Yeah. And a lot of campgrounds now also have... um cabins and other structures on them. So if you don't have a tent or aren't like ready to learn how to pitch a tent with kids running around, which I totally understand, sometimes there's other lodging options so you can get that camping experience. Um, I also just remembered the name of that company. It's Arrive. That's the rental place. You should check it out. I've never used it. My sister's used it and she liked it a lot. So I will, um, we'll link that in the show notes, but I just wanted to make sure to mention that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll check that out. Well, Jennifer, thank you. This has been so much fun. What is your very, very next adventure that you're going on with the kids and your husband, I'm assuming? Well, so um, as we're recording this, we hope to go to the lake tomorrow for the very first time. And so that's what's on the docket for us next. Nice. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks for having me. It was fun to chat. Okay, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mom Hour Voices. I had so much fun talking with Jennifer and Jamie, and it really made me reminisce about getting outside with younger kids and just remember that it took our family time to get our groove outdoors and for me to figure out which kind of activities are fun to do with everyone and which ones I would just rather do on my own. This Tuesday, we're back with a very different kind of episode. Sarah and I are going to be talking about what we're glad we did and what we wish we'd done when it comes to technology and screen time for our kids. I know that's a big topic and there can be a lot of value judgments around it. So we are excited to dive in. We'll talk to you Tuesday. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. 
It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, I have been having just the best time making my new podcast, The Teas Made. I launched back in November and so far I've covered topics like staying warm on cold winter walks, nurturing creativity, how to be a great host, and even Nordic secrets to loving winter. Well, you know, I am fan number one of the teas made. It's got such a cozy vibe and it seems like you've really hit your stride in covering topics like wellness, self-care, comforting rituals and routines and home and family life. Just look for the teas made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts or head to theteasmade.com to find all the episodes. 